always has the income. It's really about finding it and then growing from there. Unless you let me change your name, I can't help you. I need to share the gifts with as many folks as I can because it could go away in a moment. One quick announcement before we get started. So there's no elephant in the room. Siobhan switched from her Bluetooth microphone after the three-minute mark. We did our best to salvage her introduction, so if you can't stand the quality, then just skip forward a few minutes and it'll get a lot better. My name is Siobhan, Siobhan Moran, and I'm located in sunny Southern California. And effectively, I take all of the parts of something that isn't working for someone. It could be your business, could be flow of money, whatever. And we get really hung up in our head and we get hung up in what's next. And we don't really listen to kind of our higher senses, more our intuitive business self. We're not really taught how to stay in tune with that. We're taught how to make things hard. And I teach people how to really tap in and tune into that so that what occurs is really alignment to getting a result faster. How'd you come up with the name? Energetic Solutions or... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Then we got the Epic Life Conference as well, right? We started doing our events a little bit more esoteric named, even though I came from the business world. And I was like, well, nobody understands what the heck that is. (laughs) And what we started out with before Epic was I Am Success Now. And it was totally perfect, but the market changed. And I was like, well, what do we do? And so we actually asked our market, what do we do that gives you something that you don't really get anywhere else? And they're like, amazing results, things that nobody else has had, been able to help me with insights, things. And it was just like big, giant words. So I was like, well, that sounds like it's epic. And so that's how we came up with the Epic Life event. You started Energetic Solutions 17 years ago or so? Yeah, about that. It feels like yesterday, but yes. Let's just talk about that. You want to jump from when you graduated from Temple and how you got into all this? Sure. I mean, I can jump around a little bit. I was a computer programmer. That was my thing when I was a kid in grade school or high school, I should say. I was bored and they didn't have the idea of graduating people early. So they put me in this tester school, which was coding. And I took half a day and spent my time there and learned that early. And then I went off and I was like, oh my God, all these people who are doing coding, they look so sick and dead. I can't do that. (laughs) I decided to get into marketing. That's when I really got into corporate, moved to California and got into corporate and found this little company that was doing ergonomics right in the kind of in the beginning of the different parts of the laptop and stuff like that. And they were an entrepreneur and there were 12 of us. And I thought, this is the best thing ever. I can use everything I know. And I get to test myself on all kinds of things that are just new and fun all the time. And so I kind of got hooked into the I love the entrepreneur thing. And it really fed me well, fed all of the parts of me of creating and designing and and pushing forward. And I'd created something once we sold that from 12 employees, we sold that to about a hundred and I guess $150 million as we got it to there and it got sold. And after it got big and corporate, I was like, ah, and so I went off and found another entrepreneur. But when I found another entrepreneur is when I started my first kind of other 
gig, which was a thing called Pack Light, and it was for trial and travel size accessories. And at the time, nobody was really selling them. Sounds like a million years ago, doesn't it? At the time, nobody was selling them. And I went to all of the CEOs of the companies who were making them. And I said, listen, you know, just give these to me for pennies on the dollar and I'll put them out there in the market. It'll be good for you. It'll be good for me. And they said, yes. And we started going nationwide. And then somebody took that idea and I was like, okay, good. Glad they did because I don't do that. <laughs> it was fun. Then I moved in the company that I was working with and we helped that grow and get sold. And I did that a couple more times. And I'd always do something of my own on the side. And it wasn't until I had gotten sick and then I'd gotten misdiagnosed and nearly died from blood poisoning that the doctor said, you have to eat differently. You have to be different. And if you don't, you're going to die. And I thought, okay, I think this is important. And I discovered, and I was helping a little pharmaceutical company at the time, I discovered that I didn't really believe in the drug regime. And I thought, well, if I can build companies, I could certainly heal my body. And I didn't really know what that meant. And I thought, well, okay, I'm just going to try it. Because if I can build a sales team and I can help build companies and do all these really cool things, I should be able to do that for a body because basically it's supposed to be about the same, just different parts. Weird thinking, but that's what I came up with. And um, sure enough, I did. And then I took some classes and then I started thinking, well, what do I really do that because people wanted to hire me and they wanted to know what I did and how I got results and how I could get them results. And well, what do I really do that describe the best of what I do? I'm a solution giver. I, I make solutions for people. I create solutions, whether they take them and use them or not. It's another story, but I'm very good at that. I'm very adept at that. I seem to have an intuitive sense of markets and I definitely deal with an energetic piece. So I called it energetic solutions. I was driving down the 405 in Southern California and one day I was just kind of riffing on different words and putting them all together and it just kind of slammed together. I thought that's exactly what I do. I provide energetic solutions for all kinds of people and businesses and circumstances and lives. That's how I came up with it. Could you tell us maybe about the last new client that you went to, what you did for him? Because you said you do a lot of different things, but maybe some examples might help us understand. Yeah. So I have all kinds from tech companies to coaches to product companies. One that's coming to mind that I had a call with yesterday, and she used to be an executive in the wine and spirits industry. She was very good at it. And went off to become a mom and, you know, raise some kids. And she's like, I got to do something. My head's exploding. I can't, I can't just not do anything and be a mom. And she couldn't, she had a challenge having enough breast milk and she wanted to do it naturally. And I was like, well, let's create it. I know how to do this. <laughs> this is easy for me. And she said, we can do that. I said, work. And I'd done a whole bunch of, I'd helped a company do some big things in nutrition. So I was like, yeah, I have a whole bunch of technology. Let's, let's try it. And so we experimented with a whole bunch of formulas and I helped her start with the base formula and then she just took it from there and created a company that is super niche but it's a service for moms and parents who have kids that they don't want to use formula and they want to use something that is as close to breast milk as possible and so we created a whole system for her and a network of folks and connections taught her how to find the audience and do everything from the inner mind game because she was a push marketer. There's a distinction between push and pull marketing. So she was a push marketer because the brand she was working for were established. And, you know, when you're a startup, you're a, you need to be a pull marketer, meaning finding a way to get somebody to come to you. We've been teaching
getting her to do that. And people are just automatically finding her without her doing a ton of marketing. So that's pretty cool. And then we have another person who is an attorney and we renamed her the enlightened attorney because <laughs> she's a defense attorney for people who have done kind of naughty things in the world and or not and they need a good defense and she helps them really see how they've created the circumstance and how to uncreate it while she's working with them to defend them which is kind of cool and then she has a yoga practice and she has a she does fire eating on the side she's got a couple of things going on to keep herself free and fun and flowing. So those are a couple of recent ones. Yeah. What, what did you do for her, the attorney? We took her from kind of like getting paid by the hour, struggling to get paid and really get the message clear as to who needed to hire her and who she really wanted to work for and dialed that in and taught her how to make sure that her prices were set straight and monetize those, make sure that she knew how to take somebody from an idea of maybe wanting to hire her to becoming a client. In some cases, you know, that's a little tricky. And then we also taught her how to create packages and make sure that it was a cohesive message so that the judge could hear her better as well as her clients. And her, she just got awarded the state of Michigan's attorney of the year, top 10 attorneys of the year. So kind of cool, kind of from unknown. How do you get paid whenever you're helping a client out like that, for example, the attorney? We have a couple ways. People work with me in a deep dive circumstance where it's a, a couple of one-off circumstances. And then for her, we spent a year just taking her and looking at all parts of her life and the circumstances she created and what was her mission, the monetary mission, the health mission, what she wanted the community to think of her and really what did she want to do with all of these incidental things that she was out there teaching. And that's what we spent the past year doing. And in a year, we got her all those things. That's pretty cool. We tripled her income. How do you get paid? Is it like you get percentage of revenues or what? Like No, I just get paid in a contract basis. I don't do percentage of revenues, except in a very few circumstances like startup and tech. I've done that. And we have a couple of clients that have, have been blowing the doors off with that. But no, not a percentage of revenue. It is really just contract basis. And we contract for a year. Yeah, it's a full year. Then you pay monthly. Some people pay me in one full chunk and some people pay me monthly. Zombie and I have one that pays me every week. How much would something, if I was an attorney and I wanted you to do the same thing for me, how much would that cost? Oh, <laughs> really? That's a $75,000 engagement. How do they get over that hurdle? Because they might think that it's a lot, but you're tripling your income. Obviously, it pays for itself. Yeah. How do you get over that? You know, we really just talk about what she wants. We have a process called the elegant sales process, and I just apply that. It's really about when people find me, they're ready for that blend of everything. Because there are people who do health stuff. There are people who do business things and coaching things and all the other mindset. You know, people who do one-offs and all those. But because I've had such a really varied background and I blend all of that, the inner work with the outer work with the business business growth and expertise, I'm able to kind of dance between all of those. And there aren't very few, maybe a couple of us out there doing it like this, who have this kind of revenue build experience. And by the time somebody finds me, they're ready. And then it's really about finding the income in the business because the business always has the income. It's really about finding it and then growing from there. 
Could you give us an example of like a product-based company that you did something like this? Because I, I think this is really interesting if we can jump into details. Say if I'm trying to produce a new product and maybe I can pull something from your stories of how it could help me. Kind of like that I was talking about with the that woman's company is called Baby Life Shake. That's a product-based company. That's a physical product. That's a perishable physical product, even more interesting, right? You know, and then there's, let's see, do we have a widget? Yeah, there's a company that they were making, I have so many things that are coming into my mind to tell you about, but they were making something that was going on getting attached to a shelf. It's really about taking the idea of the owner and making sure that the mission and the marketing and the messaging are really in alignment with their energy. And what does that really mean? How do you put that pedal and metal together? It's like I have one company right now who is kind of like a multi-level and they have products in the multi-level. And the name of their company, I won't say this, the name of their company is confusing. And it's taken me, they were so married to their idea of their name. They loved their name so much. And finally, it's taken me about four months to get them to understand that nobody can find them. And the reason their revenues are growing to the exponential possibilities that we implement is is that nobody can find them and they're so married to the wrong idea. So it really has to be looking, one has to be looking for what is the right name? What is the right thing that is going to get somebody on the other side that is a potential customer to say, that's interesting enough, I need to explore that. Because there are so many challenges with beautiful ideas and all of these really out there names that just, they don't ever come to fruition. And it's really about taking the owner and helping them to see that there's something more for them with that. And it better, if it's a physical product, it better be something that somebody can pronounce, somebody can find easily, and nobody has any confusion as to what it can do. Otherwise, you're in Technobabble, and there's many dangerous paths in Technobabble. What's Technobabble? Technobabble is trying to describe a pharmaceutical product to an end user rather than saying, this will help your liver function better. <laughs> this glasses will help you see to a hundred times better than you do right now. You know what I mean? So Technobabble would be, it's the X power of the nth degree. And the, you know what I mean? You get into all of the super technology stuff. And at the end of the day, the customer never buys Technobabble. Does it sound like clarity in a name or what the product actually does? Are, the, are those top mistakes you see when you're walking into a product business? I see clarity in a name. I see clarity in confusion in what they're going to tell the customer. They love the idea so much. They're so confused about what they're going to tell the customer. And that's the, those are the two biggest things. The next one would be not pricing it right. Really kind of giving away the store. And like in the attorney's case, she was she's an amazing attorney. She's like lost very few cases. That's unheard of in her industry in her state. And she was completely underpricing herself. Do you just figure that out through looking at competitors or like how do you figure out do you get the repricing right? Yeah, that's a great question. I have worked with so many entrepreneurs. I seem to have this really good ability to say this is where you need to be based upon where you're at. And then we have to graduate people often because oftentimes, let's say if somebody's charging $60 an hour and they really should be charging $260 an hour, that leak's going to break their entire system and processes. And we usually just graduate them up. With pricing, do you basically always see it that it needs to go up or does it ever need to go down? Yeah, sometimes it needs to go down, but that's usually about 10% of the time. 
What else? Even if it's not a product company, but any company, because a lot of our people are entrepreneurs. If you're talking about a younger company or a startup, those top mistakes that you see when you walk in. Somebody doesn't know how to sell something, then there's no way that somebody's going to buy. It probably the number one thing that every entrepreneur needs to strengthen their muscles on. It's kind of like if you're going to go to the gym, then go to the sales training gym, <laughs> right? Don't do branding. Don't do a cool little website. Don't do all of these really cool things. There's a cool technology somebody's presented me with that they want me to help get out there. And they have this really wonky name. I'm like, I can't help you unless you let me change. Unless you let me change your name, I can't help you. I'm just not going to do it. Well, what do you think about the name of this podcast? I'm going to be perfectly honest. I don't know what the name of the podcast is other than I know your name, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the main thing. No. Millionaire interviews. Oh, see? Millionaire interviews. That means that you're going after millionaires who you're going to interview so they can spread their knowledge down into the tribe base to get them to take action. So you've done something good. I try to bring some clarity to it. Hopefully I'm following the steps that you would want me to. And the number one thing is, I guess, when I'm launching is trying to find my target audience. But I've had some pushback on the name. Some people think it's wrong to be called a millionaire. And I don't know when it became such a bad term to some people. But I actually did the calculations. It's only like 1% are offended by being called a millionaire. I figured at least any reaction is better than a reaction. Is that true? You know, if you follow branding, <laughs> if you follow branding rules, it's like you don't want everybody. You want the people who are going to respond and be appropriate. So yeah, you don't want the whole world. That's not going to work for you anyway. What's been the hardest thing that you've had to go through in your life as far as dealing with this? It can be personal or business. I would just say the death of my first husband, that really set me on the path and then my own near death. And that has been, that really has kept me true to life as a gift. And I need to share the gifts with as many folks as I can because it could go away in a moment. You're talking about the death of your husband. What happened? He died in a motorcycle accident and he was on a trajectory for big positions in the airline industry. And I was living the dream here in California. So it wasn't like I was on this big career path. I had no, I was doing something I loved, but it wasn't until he left that I was like, yeah, I'm here for some other purpose. Let's find, let's just make sure that I'm doing and giving all of the skills that I have in my, in my toolbox to people. <laughs> when that was happening. So that's what really jump started you to more of this entrepreneurial coach, I guess. Yeah, totally. Life short, life short. Let's go. <laughs> like life short. We got stuff to do. Let's go. Life could go away any second now. <laughs> yeah. Is that what keeps you motivated? Oh my gosh. What keeps me motivated? You know, I have an internal motivator that is just probably like not most people. It's a lot life short, but it's also seeing somebody with a challenge and saying, yeah, totally. I can fix that. Let's do it. Come on. Let's create something for you. And knowing that, gosh, there are products on shelves. People are drinking and eating and using because of whatever part I had in their life and their business. That's awesome. And I I don't go around and be like, yeah, look at all these cool people. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, but like that's gratifying to know that the, the change that you wanted to see in the world gets to be imparted from me down into down into the audience, whoever's being able to receive it. Could you tell us about your first client that you got? Oh gosh, first client is Energetic Solutions. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I don't know who that would be. <laughs> Whenever you got into this part of your life, because I'm just wondering the first person that you had to sell on, because you know, number one is about sales is what I heard from a smart woman is that how do you sell yourself to the very first client when you're getting started? Austin, here's something funny. I don't sell. My first 15 years of doing this, people just came to me. Word got around and I didn't sell. I never sold. Well, how about the very first? I just said, this is what I do. And they'd say, I want to hire you. I never even said, 
said anything. I never said, do you want to buy? Do you want to get I'd be like, oh, okay, let me see if you can handle that. And I was in a very, very blessed position. And I think it was because my internal alignment, which is what I teach, my internal alignment was so true to what I'm here to do that people just were like, I need you. And I have people that do that now. We have somebody, we send an email out just like, hey, you know, what's going on, la, la. And they applied and they were like, I have been following you for years and I knew that I wanted to work. Really? That's fascinating. <laughs> how do I find my internal alignment? How do you find your internal alignment? Well, how did you know to connect with me? It's just like, what got you to this place of saying yes to the podcast? Well, for me, as a, personally, what I was doing before, I was in commercial real estate finance. So I was making a lot of rich white guys more rich, is what I tell people. I guess every last year, I've lost my desire to do that as much because it's kind of repetitive and wanted to do something where I could actually maybe help people a bit more and change things up a little bit. I was thinking that talking to smart entrepreneurs and recording the conversation and going to market and share it with younger people, that hopefully then that would help. That's my plan right here, right now. Mm-hmm. So you're in a learning phase and that's cool. And you're going to search and things are going to start showing up. It's kind of like the book that lands at your feet and it's like, oh, I needed to read that. That's a good one. And it's really about getting out of the drama of the head and really learning how energy works. Because entrepreneurs and millennials and younger entrepreneurs or even new entrepreneurs who are young in the entrepreneur game, it's really about the energy. And we're in a Wi-Fi world, right? Which is energy. If you want to leave the entrepreneurs one last thing, what would it be? I would say really make sure that you get help sooner. I would say one of the best things I did when I started my first company is I hired an assistant and I hired somebody to make sure I kept true to my word. So I hired an assistant and I hired, I guess you'd call it a mentor or something like that. And the assistant was great because I knew I had to make money to pay him. And uh, so I could do my job and I could have my company at the same time. And it kept me sane and moving ahead with ease. And the mentor kept me from going off on too many tangents because, you know, entrepreneurs are kind of creative and they are tangent creators. And maybe they get bored with something and then they want to try something else. But the first something was actually the original something that was working. And then they go off onto some other tangent and you go down a path of no return. So yeah, those would be the two pieces I'd say are super important. That's one last thing you can leave with them, but I've got a few other questions. Was there any other dark times or difficult times other than your husband's desk? Because you obviously have a lot of positive energy and think positively, but I think the hardest part when you're an entrepreneur is the loneliness. It's really funny. I, I was responding to my team about this. They have a couple questions for me that they're preparing, I guess, for somebody to speak on their stage. And one of those is, what's the worst time? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really think of a worst time. If I'm feeling lonely, I'm going to go find something. So I'm going to go to a networking event. I'm going to go learn to do something. I'm going to go interact with somebody. I'm going to go feed somebody that's homeless. I'm going to go buy some... So I'm going to go and do something. I'm just not going to sit. I'm not very good at sitting. And if I've got a challenge, I know that I have the capability within myself to go and figure it out. So dark times, great. Go take a nap, take a bath and go help somebody. (laughs) It's going to change in about a minute. I appreciate you coming on, sharing your story. Someone wanted to reach out to you. What's the best way for them to say thank you or to link in with you? Austin, thank you. Uh, That would be go to SiobhanMoran.com, S-H-E-E-V-A-U-N-M-O-R-A-N.com or email us at author, A-U-T-H-O-R at SiobhanMoran.com. We have products on Amazon. We have products on our store. We have, you know, we have a YouTube channel. So you can find all kinds of things and start from there. What are the type of products? Oh my goodness. We have, they started out being called 
journeys. And basically, it's a form of meditation on getting rid of certain aspects of challenges the psyche has. Anger, fear, resentment, loss, just don't know where to go, stuck. And I really just created them because a client asked to continue to hear my voice after each time we talked. And I was like, all right, let me just record before I start. I go to a studio for them. So we ended up with these really cool products. And then we have uh, group programs and we've got one of my favorite programs I created for a client is Unleash Your Prosperity. And it was created for this one client who told me she made a ton of money and then she spent all this time trying to get this other thing up and running and she went through all of her money. I was like, oh, I can fix that. And so I just recorded it and we created a video series that went with it. It's probably one of my favorites. Like if I were to listen to a whole series, I would listen to that series again and again because it's an eight video audio series that really just sets you on the course to like, oh, yeah, I've got this. I can do this. And people have such radical results. So it was kind of a, all of these products were really created at the demand of a client. What was the name of that last one again? If someone wanted to go find it. Uh, Unleash Your Prosperity. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Austin. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Millionaire Interviews. If you want to hear from other female entrepreneurs, then go check out episode 12 with Dory Clark or episode 15 with Jillian Hellman, or go try out episode 28 with Krista Colson. Yeah, and I know what you're thinking. Austin, I've already listened to every episode of Millionaire Interviews. What should I do now? Well, go head over to our website, millionaire-interviews.com. You'll find some behind-the-shower-curtain information that we simply can't provide via audio format. I promise, I'll reveal it all on the website. We'll say